0: Times Like Now is an interview podcast with interesting people who are doing cool stuff. Past episodes can be heard wherever you get your audio programs. Sergio Garcia is the first undocumented immigrant to be admitted to the state bar, and he passed on his first try. My guest today on Times Like Now. Hello there, Sergio. Thank you so much for your time and for joining me on the program today.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation, Trevor. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's very nice to speak with you. I've I've been reading a bit about your unique background and your unique story. How did you come to America and when?
1: Oh, sure, sure. Um, I'll be happy to share that. Well, the very first time I ever came to the U.S. was when I was 17 months old. Uh, my parents uh, brought me here to Northern California at the time, unfortunately, given their lack of resources and um uh, Uh, both financial and intellectual, you know, they brought me to this uh, great country um, undocumented. And so that was my first experience here. And then uh, after a while, they took me back to Mexico, ultimately uh, bringing me back up here in 1994, roughly July of 1994, to be exact. And again, I did it uh, while undocumented. And so that was, uh, something that was going to kind of mark my future and mark my destiny for better or worse uh, later on in my life. So that's kind of where my life starts. Um, 1994, 17 years old, crossing the border um, in an irregular fashion.
0: Okay. So then you were going to to high school in the States, in California.
1: That is correct. In 1994, when we got here, um I was supposed to be in the last year of high school, but interestingly enough, when I I try to apply or my parents try to get me into Durham High School, which is up here again in Northern California, they said, well, you know, you come from Mexico, Mexican schools are not as good as ours. So you're going to have to redo your junior year, which uh, ironically, I had heard that in Mexico a few years back when I went there and I had to redo a year in Mexico. So I wasn't happy about that at all. But because this was my second year that I was being held back. But I said, well, don't have much of a choice. I don't speak the language, and uh, this is what they're offering me, so I guess I'll do my junior year here. And so that's that's what I did, I ultimately, graduating from Durham High School in 1996 with a 3.9 GPA.
0: Admirable. That's, that's fantastic. Not that high school matters all that much, but you very <laughs> quickly went to college, Uh, To California State in Chico
1: so after um, uh, high school Trevor I actually got invitations from uh, Berkeley uh, UC Davis uh, Stanford and Chico State with full scholarships offers based on my grades and um, unfortunately at the time I was still undocumented and uh, as soon as I disclosed that fact to these uh, very fine institutions they said well you know, we would still love to have you here, but you're going to have to pay out of pocket. Of course, for your listeners who are not aware when you're undocumented, unfortunately, you cannot work in this country. And so the only thing I was doing at that time was uh, dumpster diving for aluminum cans to try to make, make a buck so that obviously there was no way that I could pay, you know, that kind of tuition for Berkeley, Sanford or any of those institutions at the time.
0: Were you living without a home at the time? Were I was your actually, parents here at the time?
1: Yeah, I was actually here with my parents. Um, uh, our house, we did have a house, thankfully. But, you know, it was basically a wooden shack uh, a place back in the middle of the uh, main road and the railroad tracks that uh, every time the train would go by, it would shake terribly. And I was always afraid that the train might derail one of those days and we might end up uh, being uh, run over by the train because it was so, so close to it.
0: That I can imagine, I've, I can imagine that would be frightening. So, fast forward, you began a process to be documented in approximately 94. You applied for that visa. And how long did it take? Because you've only recently gotten that visa, that card. How long exactly did that take you?
1: So, that's correct. In order to adjust my status, it took 21 years uh which is an incredibly long time when you're undocumented and you're you know growing in the process you know becoming an adult reaching the age of 18 wanting to get a driver's license and not being able to wanting to get credit cards you know wanting to do the, the kinds of things that are right of passage for everybody else like you know go out to the bars with your friends or whatever and not being able to because you don't have an id so that whole process took 21 years and uh, in the interim i was unable to go to any of those institutions that had been offered uh sco- that had offered me a scholarship uh so i went to butte community college for four years after that i went to uh, chico state university for a couple of years where i published my first book at age 22 and then i uh, used the funds i got from publishing a book to get myself into cal northern school of law because i always wanted to be an attorney back in um Uh, This was back in 2005 when I started law school. I ultimately graduated from from law school in 2009, uh, took the California bar exam and passed it on my first attempt. uh, Just to find out that uh, because of my lack of status, they were going to refuse me a license, which uh, kind (laughs) of opened this Pandora's box.
0: Okay, that's, that's where we get up to a more modern time. But very quickly, let me back up. What inspired you to want to become a lawyer? When did that happen? And what, I guess, was the was the button that was pushed that, that turned that on for you to study law? That's a big hurdle.
1: Sure, sure. Well, for me, uh, frankly, it was uh, ex- my experience in Mexico, seeing the uh, criminal justice system, how it operates in Mexico, and how it applies differently uh, to people who are well off financially and poor people uh basically the poor people end up in jail forever or until uh, family can sell everything and raise enough funds to get them out and the people who are well off pretty much go in and out of, of jail and uh, i always thought that justice should be the same for everybody so when i was a 10 year old and i experienced that i uh, was you know uh, there with uh torn shoes and an empty stomach i in my innocence or be naive. I said, Oh, I'm going to grow up to be an attorney to change all this. I want to, I want to fight for the little guy for the poor people so they can get the same brand of justice that the, uh, uh, that everybody else gets. But, uh, you know, of course, little did I know that life is not that easy.
0: Right. I was going to ask, uh, you've, you've had some kind of wake up call after all this time. So catching back up to 2014, that's when you were granted your green card is that correct
1: so actually my green card was given to me in 2015 may 20 of 2015 15. a year okay. after uh i finally was able to defeat the united states department of justice who will post my licensing as an attorney um you know i i like i said i passed the bar in um finished law school, passed the bar on my first attempt in 2009, spent almost five years fighting the U.S. Department of Justice. We were finally able to uh, defeat them here at the California Supreme Court in uh, 2014 and uh, passed a brand new law here in California that allowed me to be licensed. I became licensed as our nation's first undocumented attorney on February 1st, 2014. And again, uh, a year and a month later, pretty much, I uh, finally got my green card, which <laughs> it's uh, kind of silly that we spent millions of dollars and five years fighting um, to ultimately just get a green card a year later anyway.
0: Yes, it uh, seems like an incredible waste of time and efforts. But as the first undocumented to be given your bar exam must have been a a wonderful feeling inside it must have been uh describe that what was that like to be the first well, and are it? you the only are you still the only or were you did you pave the way for others
1: so at this point i'm not the only one i actually was kind of a catalyst for the entire country to kind of take notice and um, start changing the law after we passed uh, the law here in california florida uh, kind of took notice of it and um, did the same thing and started allowing people who were undocumented to be attorneys. Next was New York. And at this point, there's about 15 states in the nation that now allow undocumented people to practice law. And uh, while while it's still controversial, I think my my life and my experience uh, has probably shown that it's not not the worst thing to to do to give somebody an opportunity um, you know, as long as they're in the process of adjusting and they have tried to do everything they can to live by, by the rules, uh, you know, on, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it's beyond your control when this process takes 21 years.
0: Right, right. So you are now practicing at your own, um, your own business. That is correct. In, uh, in, and you're in Chico, correct. And your personal injury attorney.
1: That is correct. Yes, a child, like I said, I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney live would show me that that's uh, that that was not the line of work for me. Um, I got a little bit of experience in personal injury and since when the US Department of Justice um, left California, they said, Oh, you can have your silly license, but you're still undocumented so you cannot work for anybody. And the only experience I had was in personal injury, so I decided to uh, kind of hang my shingle and do the, um, you know, what I knew how to do. And uh, luckily, in the last seven years, I have built a multi-million-dollar practice. And you know, we have, we started a foundation, and we're constantly uh, trying to do do good, uh, good things for the community and help uh, help others and inspire everybody that that's uh, is willing and and uh, interested in being inspired.
0: Yes, I I ran across a a quote of yours that I'd like to share. This was very inspiring, I think. It says, quote, people say that you're so lucky, but it seems the harder I work, the luckier I get. Most people don't get that, unquote. That's that's very true. And and rather, uh, after the hill that you've climbed and the work that you've done, admittedly, that's well-deserved. Well, Trevor, I have to tell you,
1: even even now, seven years later, and um, well, financially, I no longer have to. I still put in 15 to 17 hour days, not all the time anymore, but I still do, uh, you know, often and and more often than than most people in, in my situation would would probably like to do. But uh, you know, I still do it. I still enjoy it. I I love work. I love physical work, and uh, uh, you know, sometimes I I. I go from home to, um, from here to home and do landscaping or do whatever needs to be done around the house. So I I don't, I I don't think I'll ever stop working. I think my wife says I'm a workaholic. So
0: (laughs) tell me a little bit about your, your, you have a non, is it, is this a nonprofit status, uh, organization?
1: Yes, uh, back in 2012, uh, we hire a friend of mine who was an attorney who specialized in corporations, and he was uh, able to help me put together uh, the Sergio C. Garcia Foundation. With it. it's, a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, through that, we have been able to do a lot of good work. We donated, um, I think, about $50,000 um, back in 2014 to some students in um, Oklahoma after a uh, horrible earthquake hit their area, and they were in need of some funding, and we did that. Um, after that, we have helped uh, individual students with, you know, different needs, a couple thousand here and there for students who are struggling to stay in school. Uh, just last year, late uh, uh, the latter part of last year, we donated $10,000 and shoes to our local frontline workers, um, you know, who were obviously working long, long hours and sometimes with not the most comfortable shoes. So we thought that that was a nice gesture and to let them know we appreciate them and we're uh, here um, in uh, taking notice of, of their hard work. And we're here to support them uh, as they support us and being in the front lines. And, and currently we're actually doing a $20,000 uh, giveaway and um, a little contest uh, this month for the Hispanic uh, Heritage Month.
0: That's that's fantastic. Tell me tell me more. What is so uh, what is the requirements? What do people have to do to get to sure. to, to learn more?
1: So th- th- these are like the easiest twenty thousand dollars people can earn or at least, you know, those who qualify can earn probably in the country. It's super easy. Um, I'm basically publishing my my book, my story in my own language since I had already done that in English a, a few years back. I wanted to do it in Spanish for this uh, particular um uh hispanic heritage month i got it ready i ordered my book and i i just thought about the fact that there has to be a bunch of incredible stories out there mine is by no no means unique and i know people come to this great country from all parts of the world and whatnot so we're asking uh high school seniors specifically or first year college students to give us uh their story to share their story with us up to a thousand words and to do it in Spanish, and some people are kind of turn off. say, well, I don't speak Spanish. How, how do I go about that? We don't care whether you speak the language or not. I think it's incredible to speak more than one language. I think it helps your brain, uh, and it frankly opens you to the possibility of having a much wider audience. But if you don't speak the language, you can always use Google Translate. Share your story with us in whatever language. Go, you know, use Google Translate to put it in Spanish and... And um, send it to us to our foundation's webpage, wh- which is a lot, you know, uh, accepting those stories right now, and for the rest of the month. And basically, from from a hundred stories that we're going to be accepting, uh, we're going to pick uh, ten uh, stories in house, and then celebrity judges will um, go through those ten and pick out the the four that they like the most. And the first uh, prize will receive ten thousand dollars for their college education. Second prize will receive $5,000, and we'll have a couple of third prizes of $2,500 each. So pretty basic, pretty straightforward. Um, Yeah, we're not concerned with the color of your skin, where you come from, or anything. We just want to encourage you and inspire you uh, to inspire us with your own story.
0: Sure. That sounds fantastic. Remind me again of the name of this, and where could people find this online if they were to search?
1: So if you want to go submit your your story, you can just go to the foundation's web uh, webpage, which is Sergio C Garcia Foundation.com. And it has a tab where you can just submit your story or ask you for your basic contact information, name, phone number, and then you can um, submit it in a PDF or a Word document and um uh, you'll be automatically entered. And at this point we have like 17 stories. So there's still about 83 spots available for the remainder of the month. Uh, so, um, you know, the odds of winning are, are really good. They're much better than the lottery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that sounds like a, a great, uh, campaign and, you know, obviously very compassionate and, uh, an honorable program to be running. I, I think, uh, I think you've done well with this. I, I look forward to following the story and and learning more. So, back a little bit to your law practice. Are you currently working with any other um, with any other people in Mexico? To help them, or I should say, people here in in America, to become documented, are you working in that direction at all?
1: So we, we don't we don't do that, and, and the reason why I don't do immigration is because as I mentioned to you, it took 21 years for me to be able to adjust my status, and it took another another four to be able to for me to become a citizen. Luckily, I became a U.S. citizen uh, two years ago. Um, On uh, June June 20th of 2019 and so that's an incredibly long period of time to be waiting and I just don't have the patience I I, I could not tell my client yes I'll help you with your immigration status but you're gonna have to be patient and wait 20 plus years I couldn't do it so that's not something I do I you know I try to support uh, people who want to get their um, Uh, DACA paperwork. And just for your listeners, Trevor, DACA is a program that uh, Barack Obama instituted back in 2012, which allows students to get like um, a work permit and a social security card and they have to renew it every two years. So we help them with with that if they they want our help with with something like that. But we don't focus on immigration because I just don't have the patience for that.
0: Understandable. And and that is that's Very understandable. But it seems that, again, it just seems that somebody in your position might be able to to help change the laws. How do you go about changing the law so that it doesn't take 20 years for somebody to be documented? How do we get to the lawmakers or maybe maybe you become governor one day or uh, have you considered changing things from the inside? Yeah, probably looking at that.
1: Politics—it's something that um, I often flirt with the idea, and i, I do. Um, that would be my ultimate dream to one—one one day govern California. But unfortunately, Trevor, we're in a day and age where, uh, where even that is—is is frankly, it's—it's it's, it's hazardous to my health, and I can tell you that from personal experience. Not only to my health, but to to my family safety and stuff. Because even trying to become licensed, I, I was unfortunately the victim of, of a lot of hate. And a lot of threats against my life and against my family's life. So that's that's uh, uh, you know now that I'm married and have a family, it's 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 difficult to make that unilateral decision uh, and expose you know my family in the process just because that's my dream. Uh, so I w- while I would love to be able to do it from the inside, I think I'll have to. Uh, maybe do some lobbying of the people in power or, you know, at least try to encourage those in power to, to do um, make some changes. But Congress has been working on this immigration reform for decades and unfortunately has not been able to resolve anything. So it's, it's, it's a difficult one. It's a controversial issue and it's a tough one.
0: I am very sorry to hear about that experience and those experiences that you went through and that you're, your family went through that is unfortunate and it seems that this kind of stuff moves uh, glacier speed and sometimes even slower um but uh, I do hope this can you know speed along and proceed a little faster and and maybe make it easier for for others in the future because clearly there's a lot of will a lot of desire and like yourself uh, bring a lot to the country and to the system, when you do um, make that leap to to documented status and and uh, become you know become a, a great a great citizen of the U.S. Uh, congratulations on all of your success.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. And I th- I think a lot of the times, uh, Trevor, we're just afraid of what we don't understand or anything that's different. A- anybody who doesn't look like us, a- anybody who has an accent, or you know, we're, we're just not sometimes not very open-minded. And uh, I always thought that, you know, just give me a chance, get to know me and you'll realize that I'm not here to, you know, destroy anything, harm anybody. I'm just here to work hard and make my dream a reality just as much as you're trying to make yours. And, um, you know, uh, talking about politics, I was actually dusting off a letter that I wrote back on September 10, uh, 2014 Uh, to uh, then-Governor Brown uh, supporting another piece of legislature, SB 1159, which ultimately became law. And that um, allows uh, professionals to be licensed independently of their status, um, you know. And so a lot of people are probably thinking, well, that's not good. That's going to be more people competing for a job, And, and maybe so, but... I have always encouraged competition i'm not not afraid of it and the positive side of that and i can tell you from personal experience is that prior to being licensed as an attorney the most i ever paid in taxes trevor was 800 dollars and i remember because it was a lot of money to me back then and um i can tell you this year uh, my firm will probably be paying about a million dollars in taxes so i mean um you know basically I'm chaining our hands uh allowing us to to work to our full potential has a great benefit to society in general and we're here to contribute we're here to uh stimulate the economy and we're here to uh, you know be community builders and supporters we're not here to you know harm anybody or or take anything away from anybody we actually uh like I said we open up Employment opportunities, we contribute in taxes, we donate, we're here to help.
0: Sergio, obviously this country was born upon immigration. All the immigrants from Italy, Spain, Europe, we made this country what it is. It is nothing if not that. And um, you are an example, a fine example of... What you're, dis- what you're discussing and and I know that there is uh, that kind of mind out there that seems to be threatened by this even though their grandparents and great-grandparents were at one time from somewhere else and came here for a better life. It's a very old trope but unfortunately we're still uh, in this situation where people like yourself still face violent opposition um, for well ignorance and and hatred it's uh, a shame a little bit more about uh the book that you wrote i didn't know that you had written a book I'm, i know i am jumping subjects here just a little bit but in the last couple minutes that we have i'd like to know about the book and and what is the topic and and where is it at and what's the name
1: oh sure yeah back when i was uh, uh 22 i actually wrote a, a book i used to um Uh, work in a grocery store and I I used to interact with a lot of people and especially older folks Um, and I always was intrigued by uh, romance and relationships and whatnot and so at that age I wrote a book called love sex and romance you know I it was it was something for me to do and um, uh, I really enjoyed it because it came out for Valentine's Day and all my customers were extremely kind to me. They they would buy a copy of the book, have me uh, sign sign it for them, and then they would you know help me out with a uh, 20 dollars whatever they wanted, and that allowed me to actually uh, get into law school. And then uh, about three years ago, I I finally published my uh, autobiography, just um, undocumented lawyer. That one I I published privately, so basically to get a copy of that. Um, maybe in the next few months we'll, we'll make it available. But currently it's just privately. I I have it. If anybody wants a copy, they reach out to me and I get them a copy, but that's just my life story and everything I went through, especially for those five years uh, battling to become the first undocumented attorney in this great nation.
0: Yeah. That sounds like, obviously that, that sounds like a, a bestseller. Potentially, and you know, maybe a movie someday too, because I think it is a, a like I said, a, a very unique story and uh, a groundbreaking in your own right. In um, the last couple minutes, uh, what do you do when you're not, uh, you know, out there fighting for justice? Uh,
1: also, like to travel the world, Trevor, um, you know, being undocumented that kind of cuts your wings and you, I mean, you can leave the country, but you cannot come back. So now that I'm blessed to be a United States citizen and proud of that, I try to travel all over the world to, um, carry on like uh, missionary type work and also to enjoy uh, the different cultures. Uh, my wife and I travel once a year and we try to go for two weeks and we use one week to, uh, enjoy life and try to get away from work and another week to, um, help in different countries uh that are facing challenges you know we we've been to mexico we've been to cambodia we've been to cuba we've been to um a lot of different spots in the world that that are you know just not doing as well as we are here even though uh, the united states has a lot of challenges right now i think uh, once you travel outside our country uh, you realize how blessed we are and you're
0: always excited to come back absolutely Sergio Garcia, thank you so much for your time, for joining me on the program today. I really enjoyed speaking with you and, and hearing your story.
1: I really appreciate your invitation and um, um, hopefully look forward to talking to you in the future. And um, the, the book should be should be out uh, shortly in the next uh, next couple months. The Spanish version. And if you're um, interested in the English version, undocumented lawyers available anytime, just reach out to me and I'll get you a copy.
0: Thank you once again. Good night. Good night. Past episodes of the program can be found wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode each week. Thank you to the letter J Cody Robertson for his original music. I'm Trevor Collins and I can be reached Trevor at timeslikenow.com. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to speaking with you all next time.